Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi a better place to live, work, and play. And we're going to have one of those people that we're going to celebrate today, my friend, Dr. Nicholas Conger, who's an infectious disease doctor from Memorial. We'll come to him in just a second. Let me share something with you from my friend Stacy Waldrop, the most positive person I know. Um, she, she posted this, and I think it's just so powerful. And it, it, sort, it sort of made me think about my conversation with Cree Cantrell yesterday. And it's, it's very simple, but it's so true. Legacy is not leaving something for people. It's leaving something in people. You know, that's that's so important. So you can give a man a fish or you can teach him to fish. I love the way I way I love the way that sort of comes together and it's a, it's a great testament to the leaders here in coastal Mississippi that are working so hard to leave a legacy in others. Um I ran across this actually on the Big Buck Registry. It's a it's a it's a sporting uh, site that I go to. I I do a lot of hunting for people who watch the show on a regular basis, but it was a quote from Henry David Thoreau. Again, it made me think of Creek Cantrell yesterday. You must not only aim right, but draw the bow with all your might. That's true in, you know, bow hunting. <laughs> it's true in life. It's about having a goal and being able to pursue it with all the focus and determination that you could possibly focus on it. And then one last, and I'll bring my buddy Kyle Curley, the producer of Coast Union, to the conversation. Good morning, Kyle. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Listen, I, I, I want to read this one to the, to the audience, but I want you to kind of, kind of uh, join in with me here. If we, as we continue to reflect, Dr. Conger and I will do this in just a second, continue to reflect on the past year. But this was posted by a friend of mine, and it said this, Can you believe we used to wake up, put our clothes on, leave the house, commute, work all day, commute home, put on a different uh, set of clothes, and then go out and socialize. <laughs> Man, you know, it's amazing that a year has passed, isn't it? I was thinking about that same kind of scenario. I'm having lunch with some friends today that I probably haven't seen all three of them together in over two years. And I think my biggest question is how do you live life with regular job hours? And having to get up and go in every day. <laughs> I know, I know. And we're going to continue doing our show remotely for you know the foreseeable future. And we found a new way to, to make things happen. It's better for our guests, actually. They don't have to drive from Hancock County and Jackson County to a studio. We can talk to them in this way, as we're about to do with Dr. Conger here in just a second. And I was over in Ocean Springs, as I mentioned earlier in the week, with my sister Mitzi and my granddaughter Mila eating at Maison de Lou on their, their patio, you know, in the streets right there and people walking by and God, you could just feel life coming back to the community. We're not there yet. We're going to talk to Dr. Conger about that now, but, but you can just feel life coming back. Can't you? Yeah, you really can. You can see it too. When you go out, just going to this, just simple grocery store runs. Um, it, it seems like people have an extra pep. They're, a little bit more excited about what's in front of them instead of, oh, I'm going to try and squeeze in here and not touch anybody or anything like. <laughs> that. 
we're gonna. Hey, we're always gonna be careful around others. I, I, I went. I went to a restaurant the other day. Saw a lot of people I knew. I'm still fist pumping. I'm not in any rush to grab whatever's on their hand. We're all more aware of that now. So, I'm sure you're going to be the same way. But anyway, I'm kind of still the same way. Even with you know, I, I'm 100% still wearing a mask every time I go out in public. Um, so really, the germaphobes used to be an exception to the rule. Now we're all germaphobes. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be different. Someone, let's let's uh, we'll go ahead. You can stay there for a minute. Well, you, I don't know if you have the three shot or not, but come on in, Doctor Conger, and uh, let me um, let me say that I was at a meeting once when I was doing some work for Knight Ritter. I traveled all over the country, and there was a there was a a woman who was on our team, and they had out by the cash register had some mints. But they were not covered. You could take a spoon, you know, and, and grab your mints and whatever. <clears throat> and she said, I said, well, you want some mints? She said, are you kidding me? If we were to analyze the handle of that spoon, you will not believe what's on it. <laughs> That's true, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, absolutely true. So, yeah, someone did a study on it. It was very yeah. unpleasant. Someone did a study on traveler's diarrhea and showed that people were getting it from the spoons and the sauces that were sitting out on the tables more than the food in third world countries. Cause those were handled repeatedly. And then those were the, the handles of those spoons and those containers were dirtier with bacteria than toilet water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're all germaphobes now. And you yep. know, we should have been, we should have been germaphobes before. And had we been germaphobes before we would have seen the flu, not the COVID, the flu, um, infections would have gone down like crazy, wouldn't they have? We would probably saved a lot of people if we'd have paid more attention. Right. You know, and I think that, you know, in, in Asian culture, it's been common, uh, particularly in China, to wear, you know, masks and stuff when you travel. And, and I think you're going to see more and more of that. I think you're going to see, um, you know, people traveling, Americans uh, traveling internationally, Westerners, and not necessarily just uh, Asian, people from Asia wearing masks when they travel internationally and things like that, being more careful about hand washing and hand hygiene and all that. I think that's going to be a lasting effect. Yeah. I was watching a podcast over the weekend and it was, um, it was talking about Japan and why Japan has done a fairly good job of managing COVID. And one of the, one of the reasons was that when, you know, as a general rule, when someone was sick, just normal before COVID, they would tend to wear a mask. So they were very aware of that they they were obedient. They weren't pushing back on, you know, whether wearing a mask was an infringement or not. But so they were able to sort of, you know, they, they, that's always been part of their culture. Maybe to be somewhat part of our culture going forward. I, who knows? What's your, you have a thought about that? Oh, I think so. I, like I said, I think there's going to be a lasting effect. You know, um, I, I see a lot of people washing their hands more often. I see a lot of people more open to the idea of hand gel. You know, things that we do, like in the hospital, between every patient room, we use hand gel. And now we're seeing people use their hand gel as soon as they're done with a cash register, before they get in their cars, before they enter a building. You know, you know, I, I think that's going to last. There's so many interesting dimensions to the COVID. We're going to get an update here. And one other comment I want to make is that, you know, I've gotten to know you really well, and uh, but we've never met. <laughs> you never, never met in yeah. person. You know, we've gotten to know each other well, and you helped me sort of through my own COVID experience. But uh, I had a I had, I had other people like that too. So I went over to Ocean Springs. There was a a mayor's forum, and they asked me to to moderate it. And Julian Rankin, who's the executive director for the for the uh, Anderson Museum over in Ocean Springs, was there. And uh, we've we, you know we've gotten close in the way that you and I have gotten close using Skype. And he's tall. And I said, Julian, 
I didn't expect you to be tall. It's strange, you know. So I don't, I don't know what to expect in you when, when we finally do meet in per, per, in person. But that's one of the interesting side effects of, of, uh, of COVID, isn't it? Yes, exactly. And uh, don't expect me to be tall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, buddy. Uh, you you cut you you seem like this, this this big figure to me as as we as we talk about you know your profession. You know, as an infectious disease doctor, you know you came into this. You were in the right place at the right time to really be able to make a a um, a an impact here in coastal Mississippi, and you certainly have done that. And as we get into this conversation, I want to kind of look back a little bit. I want to talk about New York and the politicization of of the mask and the virus and state to state, blue state versus red. We'll talk, we'll come to that in just a second, but numbers continue to fall. What, what, what are you seeing there at Memorial? I tell you, the numbers are falling and they're falling dramatically in the hospital. And my message right now is that these vaccines are better than what you're hearing. They work phenomenally well. There's a hesitancy because the vaccine studies didn't look to see if you could be an asymptomatic carrier. So they said, well, let's assume you are. More and more data every day is rolling in that shows that if you're vaccinated, you're more than 95, 90, 95% unlikely to ever transmit the infection. So it not only prevents you from getting sick, it shuts down transmission. And I, and I, I was a little actually disappointed in the CDC, right? I don't think they went far enough. And, and you know me, you know, I was on the mask bandwagon before people were, before Fauci was. I was saying, hey, it looks like masks work because that's all we have. But things have changed and we look at data. And now the data to me is, if you're vaccinated, you don't need a mask. And, and I kind of wish that was the message from the top yeah. down. You know, again, we talk about politics, and, and I, I don't think President Trump wore a mask enough in public to push that message. But at the same time, I think President Biden walked around with two masks is the wrong message. I, I think he should walk up to the microphone, rip off those masks, and say, I got both vaccines. I'm good. If you get your vaccine, you can rip your mask off. I think that would push more people in the middle age range to get their vaccinations. And I think that will even drive this down further. Hey, so when you heard about the vaccine in Europe, which is not in, in, in America yet, you know, this, the concern about blood clots, did it immediately concern you that people were going to have confusion about that? Talk about what your, what your view on that is. Yeah, you know, they have a different vaccine, so I don't have experience with it. But, um, you know, that may be a real issue and they may. And so everything in medicine is a risk benefit. You know, it's a it's a weighted, you know, is it worth the risk? And we certainly see people with COVID with a real infection with higher rates of blood clots, heart attack, strokes. So it doesn't surprise me that there is a vaccine that stimulates an immune response because it's the immune response that leads to those increased rates of clotting. So it doesn't mm-hmm. surprise me that there may be a vaccine out there that might mimic that same immune response. So it definitely should be taken into consideration. Um, but uh, again, you have to weigh the numbers and you have to, you know, my whole thing is inform the public. So if you're this percentage less likely to get COVID, but you're this percentage likely to have a blood clot, let the public know, figure out what the numbers are and go forward. You know, maybe you could take aspirin for a couple of weeks after the vaccine and be fine and mitigate yeah. that risk. So. So, so, so we'll be reading more about this, but what I read yesterday specific to that particular vaccine was that you know, of course, that concern was there, and they expressed that concern. They've acted on that concern. But when you look at the percentages, they're no greater than what you would normally have seen for those elements, whatever they were, in the normal population. So I think they'll sort through that, and, right. of course, they'll sort through it. Let me tell you the other thing. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what. We'll, 
there's some, this is an important conversation about the vaccine, so I don't want to short circuit it because right. I'm sure people still have these these questions. Uh, I want to expl- tell you about an experience I had the other day, and I ended up, you know, on the other side of the counter, sort of convincing a young man that he should re- reconsider his thinking on something. And uh, I'll come back to that after this. This is Dr. Nicholas Conger, and we'll see you after this break. View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I 10 exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Dr. Nicholas Conger, my dear friend, has been on the Coast View more times than we've we've lost count of how many times. But but I, where I was going, Nick, before we went to the break was this: that I went to pick up a part somewhere, and the there was an older gentleman and sort of a middle more more younger guy behind the counter. One guy said he was get, he had his I got my vaccine last Friday. He was getting his I think coming up this Friday, and the and the and the younger guy among us said. Uh, oh, I'm not getting my vaccine. You know, did you know it takes six years to test this out? And, you know, I mean, you, you get a vaccine, you have no idea whether it's safe or not. And it might, you might grow a third ear is what he said. I said, man, you need to read about RNA technology. The way they develop vaccines has changed dramatically and they were able to speed up the process. And, you know, I think all that is right, but you're going to make the point that when you weigh the vaccine against the risks, one, go ahead and make your point about that. Yeah, you know, and we see different groups are anti-vaccine for different reasons, and some of them are very different reasons and very different groups of people, and and we can't convince everyone to get the vaccine. Um, yeah, we haven't had seen people with this vaccine over multiple years, of course, uh, but they did do their due diligence with safety protocols, and and it looked safe. And and my perspective when I counsel patients is I see patients with this infection, real infection. They die, some of them die, and I see some people, even young people who have long-lasting pulmonary issues, lung issues, shortness of breath. So I know what the infection does. And I can see people who've had this vaccine in these studies six months ago, eight months ago, now almost nine months ago, um, and they're not having any long-term effects at all. So from what I know with both entities, I'm way more likely to take my chances with a vaccine than I am with natural infection. Yeah. Hopefully that's yeah. persuasive to some. Hey, listen, I had a terrific visit. You and I talked about this the last time we talked, but with Lee Bond, who is the uh, uh, the president of the Singer River Health Systems, and um, and I've had I've had conversations with leaders there as well at Memorial, uh, but one of the the, the conversation with Lee was was kind of timely because <clears throat> the state had just started to give the uh, the vaccines. Hospitals got a little piece of the action, but were not heavily involved. And he was trying he was not he was trying not to be critical, which he was. And he said, you know, we're kind of early in the game here. It wasn't long after that that the hospitals got involved in a really big way. And I got my shot up at the community and, and was able to go through the process. I think there's a collaboration of hospitals at, at the Coliseum. And, but, man, that, when you go experience the shot process, how they move people through, are you the first shot or the second shot? And then you know, here's where you park to 15 minutes after you get I have I was deeply impressed with how quickly they're moving people through. 
one of the nurses, uh, I said, well, how many shots have you given today? She said, I, I don't know. I've lost count, but I can tell you this. We gave 600 yesterday at Ingalls. Man, they, when they finally got up to speed, we're speeding through this process incredibly well, aren't we? Yeah, you know, we really are. And it's a, and it's a tribute to, you know, multiple factors. And, and everyone's paying attention to the federal level and the federal government. But, you know, the industry, you know, the, these drug companies that sometimes are, are, are malaligned, you know, they came through in a big way with the vaccines. And it's, the, as you say, the states are pushing it out. Private industry is pushing it out. You can get it at drugstores. You know, in the hospital systems are pushing it out. Everyone's working and putting a hand in it. And it is a pretty good, and it's not, we're lucky. We're, we're doing it pretty well here. There's other states that are not distributing it as well. Um, and, and in Europe, it's having a terrible time, and they're having like a fifth wave. And so when it's done well, it's making a huge difference. And remember, we talked about the number one goal was to stop the deaths and to stop the hospitalization. And today, uh, Ricky, we have three people in the hospital. Now, four weeks ago, we had 30. And then two weeks before that, even more. And so the hospitalization, by, by targeting the elderly and the people in long-term facilities and people with medical risk factors, we are really, we've cleared the hospitals. That hurdle is over. And so now we're going after the younger population. So I'm not saying, you know, game over, but I'm saying, man, these, these vaccinations really, really work. It's just, it's, I, I, someone close to me just before I came on the show learned that they had COVID. So it's still there. It's still and there. if you haven't. If you have not gotten your vaccine yet, you still got to do all the things we know that we need to do to, to combat it. Social distancing, wear your face mask, all those things that we've talked about a hundred times. Any closing thought on that? I want to shift gears and talk about red states versus blue states. Sure. Yeah, we can make that shift. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I were talking about this. I, I was, um, I was it, very early in the process. I thought that the way Como was talking about data, a data-driven approach was a smart approach. And I literally just said that in my social media network and man, the anti Como people came out of the, out of the woodwork. And by the way, this is before we knew about the nursing home and other issues. And yeah, you know, that's, that's quite significant today. I think, um, you and I had talked uh, also about whether you're a red state, uh, that was a little bit open or a blue state that was really locked down that every state was going to have to kind of run its course. But you said something out the air that I thought was important. You said, you know, people should try different things. Talk, tell me your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, I the, the whole like top down, heavy handed, everyone does the same thing approach has never really appealed to me. One of the things I love about the United States is that we have 50 states. And so we talk about how states can be, you know, they can experiment with different tax policies, different healthcare policies, et cetera. And you can take some of the practices from the states. And so, you know, everyone was saying, follow the science, but there was not a lot of science to go with this. And so I, I championed the fact that we had different approaches. And it was clear that, that, you know, favorites were picked on by the media and all that. And this person was demonized and this person was praised before any data came out. And, and I think we need to look at all the outcomes. We need to look at not only what was the rate of infection, we need to look at what their rates of death were. We need to look at what the unemployment rates were. We need to look at how many people, how many kids were educated in their state, how many kids were offered in-person education versus not in-person. And we need to learn from that. And like you say, drop the politics and forget if they have a D or an R by their name, but look at what worked and evaluate it fairly. You know, so, so if this happens again, we can evaluate it fairly again. So, so, so my observation, looking at this sort of not with a political eye on this, but just looking at kind of the way it's played out, because we have the benefit now looking back. Hindsight's really smart, okay? 
as we began to see that some states that were more open than other states and they were actually you know developing a good economic recovery and people were going back to work and whatever some states still were locked down so it's like they weren't willing to learn from these others maybe it was politics that got in the way i don't know the reasons for that but for whatever reason, they weren't willing to learn. The schools, though, is probably the thing that gets in my crawl the most. If you th look at coast, coast administrators, I'll have Wayne Rodolfo coming up. You know, you get you look at coast administrators and Catholic school system where my daughter is a, is a teacher. Um, you know, they've they've done extremely well. I mean, they've had they've been able to to really manage in person experience and the thought that they're that we've had this this experience, literally this ability to learn from schools that are actually back in the classroom and see what the results are and then look at other states that are still locked down the kids have done remote learning during what is the impact of that going to be and right. why weren't they willing to learn from the states that were open i don't get it yeah i'm with you i don't get it i think I, you know and again i think the answer was largely political and that and that unfortunately you know and i i you know i don't know the administrators here that, that made it happen uh, Florida and Texas were other states where they, you know, kids got impatient, uh, kids got offered in-person learning. But, you know, they, they stepped out on a little bit of a limb, but there was some data from other countries suggesting that even when schools were open, especially the younger, the little, the little kids, elementary schools, it really did not drive up numbers in your community. So, so kudos to those who have the, the guts to try it down here. But then I think that we proved it. So I, I still hear people on the national media say, well, we can't open schools until it's safe. Well, schools have been open down here and it's been safe. And even I, I learned the other day that New York City, they had Cardinal Dolan on, the Catholic schools in New York City have been open since last September, yet it's not considered safe to open the public schools. I think they didn't follow the science on that one. I just have to say. I believe, unfortunately, that you have media that, that was so politicized and they were just not willing to have an open mind because it didn't fit their sort of narrative about all of this. And that's a real shame. It's a shame that, that, the, that COVID became so politicized. I, I understand there are reasons for that on both sides. We had a presidential election. I got, I get all that. I'm not naive, but, but, you know, as, as I say with my guests all the time, this is important actually that this year, last year, 15th anniversary of Katrina, and we're still talking about what we learned about it. And we're still talking about what, the, what aspects of the dimensions of, of coastal Mississippi are still yet to recover. I mean, what, I mean, this has been a Katrina that hit the world. Right. You know, we're going to be talking about it 20 years from now. That's the, right. The, the trends that are in place are not going to be reversed. I mean, everything has been, all these trends have been sped up. We'll never go back to where we were before, and there'll be books and books and books and documentaries and long after we're dead and gone, they're still going to be talking about how it changed the world, literally changed the world. It, that, I mean, I, I'm not overstating that, am I? No, I mean, this is a, a great pandemic, and people, you know, there's really interesting books you can read about the great pandemic of 1918, you know? And you talk about the politics, Ricky, Rick, just an interesting story. You know, I've had people come up to me who don't know me well personally assume that I'm extremely liberal or extremely conservative based on if they heard me saying, hey, I think masks are worth wearing versus, hey, I think schools should be open. And I, and I think that, you know, we've always tried to, like I say, kind of follow, follow the science and see what's going on. And, and like I say, I think right now, just real quick, because we're running out of time, is, is the issue that's being politicized now, again, is the masks. People are scared to say, I, like I said, I was pro-mask before many people were. 
But now the data is clear. If you're vaccinated with two vaccines, you really don't need to wear a mask in any setting. And I think people are scared to say that. I think if that got out, get your vaccine, lose your mask. That's going to do more to prevent infections than... Well, you still may need to wear your mask for a year, even if you're vaccinated. Hey, that's a great that's a great closing point. And Dr. Conger, the other thing is you've been practical from the very beginning and your advice is probably say I can't tell you how many lives. And I I thank you for being on the show. And we're going to we're going to we'll continue these conversations until this thing is behind us. And it's been it's been an honor to have you. And thank you for taking the time. Thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure. When we come back, we're going to have the Acting Center Director for Stennis on, and we're going to talk about that important bookend that I'll talk about constantly. We'll be back after this. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.